it, it's such a and you know what the more you think of it like on the surface the 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 gamer in me is like yeah good get rid of them it's cancer it is killing gaming and you see reports about how oh EA is wondering how am I going to make money back on this game it's like well why not just make a really good game and maybe don't spend so much bloody money on licenses and trying to make it like photorealistic graphics like the bloody Witcher 3 guys even though there was a downgrade if you look at their like pre post uh, release stuff made tons of money on that game. They're doing okay for themselves. No microtransactions, just solid DLC. Free DLC on the PC, by the way, and then a giant expansion pack. They're the golden standard for good guy game developer. Absolutely, and they got in some CD trouble. Project Red. CD Projekt Red. They got in some trouble because it came out that apparently they were looking at some sort of... Um, the word microtransaction was being tossed around, but for Cyberpunk 2077, which a lot of people consider to be a never-ever game, and I'm I'm almost there too, Joel. <laughs> but I, I want to believe, like just like Mulder. But they apparently they were worried that because uh, uh, CD Projekt Red had sort of put in a uh, filed something looking or a job position to kind of that sounded exactly like these other companies that was like looking for uh, developing microtransaction type mm-hmm. things. But they what their 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 defense was that no, we hate those things. Chief and scumbag. Chief scum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you imagine applying for that job? <laughs> but they were saying, no, The ma- what we're looking for is we're trying to do, and it just came across poorly, is we're trying to do a hub world in which online players can interact with each other and they can actually buy things and sell things from each other. But the way it looked was that it was like they were trying to have our own in-game store and like mm. buy experience or whatever. But like it remains... Di- Diablo 3 hosted oh, that store. Don't even talk about Diablo 3. Um, we could go on forever, folks. <laughs> Diablo, uh, how much? How many hours of Diablo three do you think you played? I never played it. You never even played I it. I played. The I wish I'd never played it. <laughs> Let's just say that. All my friends were like, "Oh, this is awful," and so I just didn't even touch it. Yeah, good for you. It's the only Blizzard game that I don't own is Diablo two and three. Oh, two is an odd one. I thought for sure you'd own two. Oh, or was it... But you own the first one. The first one, yeah. <laughs> Temporarily, <yes>. at least. <laughs> Lots of fun. Yeah, yeah. First one's scary still, by the way, so... And the second one's got some scary moments, too. Um, anyway.
Joel, what have you been playing recently? Uh, well, do you have you have Clank? No. Okay, I thought you did. Um, there is a good game out there called Clank, the deck building game with an exclamation mark. And a friend of mine has it. His name is Harry. He's a good guy. Actually, sort sort of good guy. He, w- he was going to call in about Gloomhaven, but uh, he's actually playing D anD D right now. The nerd. <sighs> Can't, someone bully this nerd. <laughs> Can you believe these guys playing D&D on Sundays? Bunch of losers. Anyway, Clank is a combination deck builder and push your luck game. Mm-hmm. So there's two aspects to it. One is you've got a deck full of uh, what starts as crappy cards and you purchase better cards in order to uh, move into a dungeon board and in the board you go underground and you try to steal the dragon's treasures and they're all over the place there's some random treasures and then there's these artifacts and every time you steal one of the dragon's artifacts it gets angrier and then every time a card flips from the cards that you purchase with a little dragon symbol on it that symbolizes the dragon finding everybody and giving them a smack <laughs> I like that just like <laughs> or, or a little 
I'm not sure what he's doing. <laughs> it's not nice. Let's just say but that. But there's a random chance that, because uh, basically the more you do, um, you have these cards in your deck called stumble. And every time you stumble or you play a card which allows, which adds a clank, um, you add one of your cubes to this uh, board. <clears throat> and then every time the dragon attacks, all those cubes go into a big bag. You shake up the bag and you draw the cubes and you hope it's not your color. It's basically if you draw 10 cubes of your color, you're dead. Oh, okay. So do they keep adding up? Like, so for each cube of yours that's been drawn, that goes into like a pool? Yeah. There's a sort of a 10 space thing, and that's your health. Okay. Interesting. So there's two ways you can get out of this dungeon. You can escape with lots of money, mm -hmm. or you can die. Okay. Which one's easier? Dying. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, uh, the idea is there's these unique artifacts valued from 5 to 30 and obviously you can imagine that the 5 is really easy to grab and the 30 is really hard to grab and further down into the depths of the mm -hmm. dungeon and then when you're going underground um, if you die you're dead you're out done if you manage to make it back above ground but you don't quite make it out of the fortress which the dungeon is below mm -hmm. you still get to keep the money that you had but if you make it all the way out, two things happen. One, the dragon gets very angry and starts attacking everybody all the time, a lot. And two, you get a bonus, 20 points. Oh, okay. So, because I think we talked about this a little bit a while ago, but didn't you play it the first time and you just kind of hung around the top or Sam hung around the, the base just like grabbing yeah. some cheap stuff and then just hauling ass and burning everyone else i got this special wizard that was like an extra two points for every tome you buy and mm -hmm. a tome cost seven bucks so i just sat there and getting cards that buy stuff and buying these tomes which are dead in your hand but so it's like buying it in a state no or game function yeah exactly if you've played dominion you know states uh, but there's seven victory points and they were nine for me so i just sat so there it's better than a province <laughs> until uh somebody left and i just kept collecting them until i died above the ground and i was fine so, because you never had any goods necessarily, you just kept money. And I, didn't I didn't have any movement, so I couldn't go down uh, and grab an artifact. And if I did, I probably wouldn't have made it back up. So you're saying your character didn't start with any movement cards? You start with a couple, uh -huh. but not enough to... You have to buy more. Yeah. Um, Maybe one movement, actually. Okay. And you enjoy it. So this is Clank. This is just normal Clank, by the way, yeah. right? So this is Clank. Push your luck. Go down try to get a treasure okay so then they said what's even better than clank underground clank alpha centauri yeah <laughs> clank in space if only I mean, we had that's our, exactly like, the exact correct way to say it because <laughs> it's clank exclamation mark in exclamation mark space do you think it's a reference the to actual title do you think it's a reference to the famous um mel brooks thing about like from history of the world part one where it's like jews in space <laughs> that's just the crack of the surface that these guys could be sued by everybody <laughs> <laughs> there's a card basically the kick for uh dc or maybe the silver if you're playing dominion yeah it's called boldly go and it's a guy running with a red shirt <laughs> oh yeah that's all right that's kind of funny everyone's at the red shirt thing and then go. they've got g-do's g-do's or which are people in cloaks with not lightsabers because oh, they fat Jedi, at the beginning and thin at the end. Yeah, that's they're funny. They're still made out of light. Okay. <laughs> uh, they've got like a Princess Leia who has some weird other name. Weird hair or something. Yeah. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of references. It's really cool. But what I really love about Clank in 
space. Space, 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 space. Is that they took all of the problems that we had with Clank mm -hmm. and they fixed them. Okay. What? Give me the problems and solutions. But there's a downside, but I'll get to that. Okay. Good. Let's do the good first. What's the... The good things about Clank in space is one of the greatest weaknesses of Clank was the deck builder side was really... <laughs> For a game without deck building. <laughs> boring. Yeah. It was, you play your hand and you're done. Yeah. A uh, well, couple things that they've introduced, uh, a few more interactions, a few more chances to discard cards, which is great to Purging. get rid of your... Um, Wait, discard your, or trash? Discard. Uh, get rid of your Clank cards. So you discard a Clank or a Stumble, draw something good. Um, other functions are a few more. They're still keeping away from the purge because they don't want you to get rid of your, all your clanks or else you're Yeah, yeah, they'll break the game, yeah. Although there are cards to give other people clanks. Oh, nasty. Um, so there's a little bit of purge, but one of the coolest things they've added to the deck builder is uh, factions. I don't know if you, you've played Star Realms. Yes. So you know about the color association. If you play something of the same color, you get a thing. Mm -hmm. So they've added three factions... Uh, re rebellion, uh, some pirates, space pirates, and some scientists. Okay. And if you play a scientist with a scientist, you get a scientist bonus. Okay. Which is really cool. Um, so the deck building is a lot more exciting, more interesting, more strategic, because instead of just getting general cards that either move or attack or, you know, this or that, uh, you really want to move your path towards a certain... Okay, I feel like I've skipped over an important question in that the type of deck builder it is. Is it like DC where you just, you you have your cards in your hand and you play all of them? Or do you have to pick and choose? Like, I'm going to use these cards to buy something. and Like, you either use a money value or the action on it, or is it that you can only allow to play X amount of them every hand, or how does it work? Just like DC, very straight up, do the game text. And the game text is a mixture of purchasing, attacking, and moving. Unlimited buys? Unlimited buys. Buys go straight to your discard. Uh, it's not nearly as interactive with your deck and discard as, say, DC is. There's no fishing through your discard to get something, nothing putting stuff on top of your deck, mm -hmm. nothing like that. But there's a bit more card draw, and I don't think that you want a pure... Like, DC is very much deck builder's deck builder game, right? Like, it's like, it's like a step down from a CCG where you're really strategizing... This one is, is still keeping it light. Mm -hmm. Well, it, you got to find a fine line, and it's almost like, because I was telling Joel earlier that I think uh, apparently there was an interview with a uh, in German that Uwe Rosenberg, peace be upon him, <laughs> is apparently going to be turning. He wants to turn his attention towards the deck building genre, and I think this could be one of the big. Like, I'd love to see what this man <laughs> does with that. But this could change games forever. But it's it's true because deck building is one of these these genres that I think are very. There you see a lot of them because a dummy can easily throw together a bunch of cards and call it a day. It takes time to actually make the cards work properly together. And balanced, yeah. Um, so you have to find a line between something, especially because I, what I love the idea behind Clank and. Um, there's a game that I've I've actually purchased, but it's sitting at Board Game Bliss because it was it was only like twenty bucks because it was damaged or something. And it's a Rainer Knizia game called El Dorado, and it's another game involving it's a deck builder, but you're also moving around on the map trying to do things. And I love the mix between just cards, but also a board state where you're actually moving around and affecting things. Yeah. And I just love the mix of the two because I think it's a really neat idea. 
to have I don't know amalgamated and I yeah. think a lot of good games that I like do limited sort of like sort of deck building mixed into it so yeah and it's awesome and we should talk about the board because the deck building I've I've covered basically yeah, yeah. we don't need to talk about it anymore it's better you can know that what's the so what does the board look like what's the so the board much like Gloomhaven getting into this theme now is modular perfect love it so it's very cool. You start, you always have a cargo bay, which is where you start. Uh, there's always a corridor, which is sort of this place where you can teleport from section to section, which is also very cool. Yeah. Um, and then there's a command ha- area. And the, it's, oh, they've, wah, they've really fixed. Remember how I was talking at the beginning of Clank? I just sat at the entrance and yeah. um, collected cards and ended up winning the game. No, it was were you intended to do something like that or was it just something that kind of like you're I like, was stuck and I had yeah okay but in this game if you don't get one of those artifacts you don't get any points okay know? so you're forced to it wants you to grab one of these things at least yeah the second rule is you have to get back to the cargo bay so uh-huh. you have to do three things in order to even be considered for winning yeah um, there are a whole bunch of ports, uh, little uh, wall consoles all around the map and you have two data cubes <laughs> with you because it's all all tech focused yeah, yeah. Uh, and you basically have to hack two different ports and once you hack two different ports you get an access code. Once you have an access code you can go into the control room mm-hmm. in the control room are all the artifacts and from there now you can leave okay are you now? Do you only take one, or are you allowed to grab a bunch? You're only allowed to hold one. Okay. And is it um, similar to the dragon waking up? Like, if you leave with an artifact, does the I don't know the the base or the computer get really pissed off and start to? Uh... Yeah. So once you finish hacking and get your access thing, the I don't know what he is. We just kept calling him the dragon because okay. he's this space monster. Uh, he's, he's taken over the galaxy. Or oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, he's on a victory lap. I don't know. <laughs> 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 victory lap. I love funny. it. Uh, and we've we've bet each other all we can steal the most sh- stuff from him. Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, you're running around, and once you hack him, he gets angrier. And then once you steal an artifact, he gets angrier. And once he gets angry enough, um, bounty hunters, so these red cubes, go into the bag. Uh. If those get drawn, everybody gets hit. Oh, interesting. And they go back in the bag which nothing else goes back in the bag. So eventually you could be just hitting bounty hunters like crazy and you'll die. Is there any, before you go any further, are there any ways to actually deliberately change the contents of the bag with cards? Like, is there ever like remove bounty hunter from bag or? No, you can re- re- you can remove your clanks before they go into the bag, but mm-hmm. once they're in the bag, that's it. It's there, okay. It's your pending death just waiting to happen. Okay. Um, and what's also really cool is once he gets angry enough, the... Remember I was telling you how you can teleport along the corridor? Mm-hmm. He blocks the cargo bay, so you can no longer teleport there. You have to make your way back uh, yeah. running if, or something. If you get enough money, you can buy a teleport thing, which you can teleport on. There's all these portals all around the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also sort of you can buy a master key, which allows you to go places where you can't, couldn't have gone. Mm-hmm. Have you played the game? No, no. It's great. You love it. So bottom line is... Uh, it fixed so we've gone through the, the good stuff you like yeah it's fixed about a, a bunch of the issues that you were talking about from the original clank and it sounds like you had a lot of fun with it yeah what's your problem with it it's it's a stupid problem and it's uh it's really no fault of the game itself but basically in clank it's a very simple very quick game 
uh, Clank Space is a lot longer. And I think what we were looking for when we went to buy a game was one of those kind of light (laughs) 30 to 45 minute games, you know, where you just kind of whip it out when you're not feeling like thinking or anything. Well, we ended up with, because we also bought, um, I shouldn't say, because it's my birthday present. I'm not supposed to know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Don't look. Uh, yeah, Sam doesn't listen anyway. Okay. Uh, we also bought Terraforming Mars. I saw that when you posted that picture, <laughs> I looked at that and I was like, "Did he buy that?" <laughs> yeah. So we got our heavy game and what we thought was going to be a light game, and it ended up also being a heavy game. So it's not a criticism of the game itself, except for the fact that it's just. Lo- now hold on. Did you feel like the time length was warranted? Did it feel like oh, it yeah. was? Because there's, I think that's the main flaw of a game when it's too long and it doesn't, it shouldn't be that long. Where it's like, what, so much downtime or maybe just like stuff that could have been streamlined for no yeah. other reason. But well, just think about it this way: in Clank, you move to an artifact and you leave. Yep. In this one, you go to two different places and hack them, then you <laughs> go to an artifact and leave. So there's three stages instead of two, and the first stage takes a bit of time. Now the is. Are you still at the mercy of the market row? So theoretically, one player could get all the, the move actions or the better actions, and another player could get bad ones, and you could just be kind of spinning your wheels the entire time? The lineup is six cards, so it's not too bad. Yeah, I think everybody kind of got what they wanted. Obviously, you are able to, say, for example, me and you are both going for rebellion cards, mm-hmm. and there's not that many out there, and I buy the rebellion card, you can't get it. It's just a little bit of luck of the luck draw. Luck of the draw, yeah. Okay. Now the the most interesting thing that you just recently said was that you bought Terraforming Mars as or are being given Terraforming Mars a birthday present. I am astounded. How can I not? Did you really enjoy it when you played it? Oh, I loved it so much. You loved it? I thought you were lukewarm on it. What? No. We're talking about game of the year last year. <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know if you're making fun ratings. of me or not. I had a blast. <laughs> really? Blast off to Mars. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'm being made fun not of. Not only not. that, but like it's something I genuinely am in, <laughs> in, in real life. <laughs> when are we going, Jack? Are we getting on the ship? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> uh, Dave's game cat uh, game shop pop culture back in my hometown has. How's Dave a, doing, by the way? He's looking great. Yeah, I saw him. Um, when was that? There, <laughs> a month little, ago. A little while so. ago. Yeah, that's he's good. Still trying to sell all his games. Um. They have a list up of games played at the shop, right? Because they don't charge. It's not like a $5 thing. It's just everybody comes and plays whatever. And number one is um, DC Deck Building. Number two is Lords of Waterdeep because they play every day at noon. Mm-hmm. They have the noon game. And number three is now Terraforming Mars. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's not a quick game either. It's maybe yeah. if you know exactly what you're doing, it's quick. But and in order to be the top of that list, you have to be played at least once a day. <sighs> That's a lot of terrifying Mars. Yeah. <laughs> and the, they have an expansion, two expansions out. One is just a new map board, which like I, I'm, I'm not sitting there craving more. I almost speed. bought it. And it, like the Hellas or Elysium expansion or whatever. And there's another one which is like the, the, it seems like a more proper expansion where it looks like it has a bunch of cards and maybe adds some other things like some corporations. And I'd be curious if, the, if it adds some, changes some mechanics of the game or if it's just more stuff in there. But I, I honestly, I think I've said to this before, but I think Terraform Mars is one of those games that if you could have tiered the deck, if it could have been like, like age one, age two, age three, or age four, it requires a bit of work. But if it was like that, I think it would have been 
an immensely better game mechanically than as it is where it's just like I enjoy it but it's kind of like all this fluff in your hands and it's like alright well fluff gone or hold on to fluff till last round I don't know what to do here so we'll wait until we have to terraform titan or something yeah yeah but uh, and where so you went to 401 yeah so I went all over we went we started at Meeple Mart went to 401 well, how was Meeple Mart by the way <laughs> dream everything's so cheap <sighs> It's, uh, you go down, it's, it's not, uh, the door isn't labeled. It looks like the entrance to an apartment. Yeah. But so that's that tiny sign tiny, underneath tiny. the TD. <laughs> <laughs> it's so close to TD. I know exactly where you're talking about. <laughs> you go down, there's like, uh, you know, it's just a white hallway and you turn right and then it's just this huge. 6,000 uh, square feet, area. folks. 6,000. Yeah. And there's a, like it says on the sign, it's also an event. Uh, venue, so they put on a lot of gaming events. But I think you got to do source. You got to do stuff like that when you're a, a oh, game store. Jack, there is a huge side section of discounted games because they're damaged. <sighs> the box has a little dent in it. I know. Like I, know I know. And even for a one, it took them way too long to do this. But they have a dented section, even though it stinks. It was. I'll say this. I love for a one, but they, their dent and ding section was sad. Yeah. Sad. And um, Board Game Bliss is really good with that stuff. And everyone's kind of doing their Black uh, Friday sales, which are like in quotation marks. Ten percent. It's basically save the tax, maybe. Um, But I Meeple Mart, I was telling Joel that it's it's one of these places that I always thought was in Ottawa. And (laughs) I had no idea it was in Toronto. I've never stepped foot in it. Uh, which is crazy because I love their website, even if it's, or I love their, uh, well, their website, I haven't been to their store, but I love their company and uh, I've always had pleasant ex- experiences shopping from them. So the fact that they actually have a, a, like a physical storefront to go through and also for hold for pickup, because I hate paying for shipping for things yep. or being stuck at the mercy of like buying $200 worth of stuff just to avoid like $15. <laughs> Speaking of hold for pickup, there were like still 15 or 16 boxes waiting for I believe people it. to pick it up at 401. I believe it. After the sale. Crazy. And it was... I'm trying to think. There was only one thing I would have got from 401 I was considering was the new Civ game, uh, New Dawn, which is only 50 bucks, folks. $50 for this. I got to see what's inside Bargain. it. Bargain. Considering that, like, what's Twilight Imperium? $160. So it's like, eh, yeah. there's there's some there's swing room here. Let's, let's, let's talk about... Oh, should we listen to a song and then maybe talk? Well, it's uh, <laughs> getting on in time here. Yeah, we're maybe we'll just uh, if so. If you're listening to this later, we'll have gone back and probably inserted a song in between yeah. something, so it may sound Our interesting. Least interesting conversation. Least interesting, which is, I mean, don't be mean to us, but uh, <laughs> but I want to talk about uh, we'll how people f- buy games and maybe give some tips out there for uh, okay the, the people. All right, well, let's do that because it is coming up to the holiday season, and we've got about I'll say four minutes to do this and we'll insert a song or something or three minutes so just do a quick run down Joel because here's your options Uh, support local mom and pop shop Uh, go into Toronto and go to one of the major retailers where there's discounts to be had or maybe check in on Amazon or one of the various online portals and look at Who's got sales? I'm just going to say this right now as a quick aside. Amazon Canada is not competitive 99% of the time with stuff. So don't don't be a fool and just go to Amazon right away. And just because you see it like marked down, and, oh, it's it's 30% cheaper. Mm, it's still too much. Odds are. Don't click the first link. Don't click the first link. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about Amazon. There, there are sales occasionally, but you have to keep your eyes so open. So where do you go, Jack? Um, so, so so if you're around Guelph, downtown Guelph, you have some options. You have the Dragon, 
uh, you have uh, you have the boardroom. Um, I, does the does the round table sell games? I have no idea. I don't. I think they might may have. I don't think they do anymore. They sell though. magic. I think. They sell magic. Um, and then you have like chapters in Indigo in those places. Um, see, just do your due diligence. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, look around at some things because the prices are where they are. They're reasonably marked up. Yeah, you're in a lot of these brick and mortar stores in downtown Guelph are going to have uh, prices that are that almost guaranteed to be higher than going to some place like 401 Games in Toronto, Board Game Bliss in Scarborough, Meeple Mart in Toronto. Um, they've just got more people going through. They've got a bigger online presence, so they can afford to do stuff like this. Yeah. Um, Generally, game cafes will have a retail section. Sometimes they give you discounts. J and J's, Kitchener Waterloo. See, I got burned. You paid three dollars extra for all those things. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked. I went to all these places in Toronto. They're all selling it for twelve. I thought J and J's was. Oh, I thought they were cool, man. So, Jane, but that's it. J and J's is you'll find stuff that's cheaper than other guys, and you go, why? And then you'll find things that are the exact same price. You go, yeah, okay. And then in the case of these escape rooms, they're like, why were they $3 more? That's a significant percentage, too. It's totally arbitrary. But I think it's because they probably, and this is not me faulting a businessman for making money, but they maybe they see they're selling like crazy, yep. and people don't think selling twice. Out. They walk in, pick up, leave, and they don't even look at the price yeah, because, because it's I so was, inexpensive. Here I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to get these. Yeah. And here, they, oh, they have them. Yeah. So Damn. it's... It's a good, like, I don't know. It, it depends just how valuable is your time. <laughs> and if it, are you comfortable online shopping? And if you are, then you're in okay shape. If not, then uh, just do whatever you're going to do anyway. Yeah. And it's funny because J&J's has, is just like, the the storefront just says J&J's cards. Yeah. You it's have no idea that it's full of all these beautiful games. And they've got, like, a pretty good discount section. I've picked up some stuff there before. It's kind of loaded with, like, a couple of certain things that obviously they got too much of. But, uh, yeah. Um, time's up. Time's up. There will be a song somewhere in the middle. It will be Chromatics <laughs> into the into the black. <laughs> Out of the blue. That's why Neil Young came by. Um, so, on that note, I'm Jack. And I'm Joel. Have a great day, folks. Here every Saturday afternoon on CFRU. Seriously, music. The Alzheimer's Society of Waterloo Wellington is looking for people to help out with their music project. Studies have demonstrated overwhelming evidence of the beneficial effects of music and stimulation on people living with dementia. The music project provides a free of charge iPod with a personalized playlist to individuals living with dementia. The Alzheimer's Society of Waterloo, Wellington, is looking for volunteers to help with tech, iPod setup, and creating playlists. They are also looking for folks to donate all iPods, iTunes gift cards, or money. $75 gets an iPod Shuffle, and $150 gets an iPod Touch. 
other amplitude players are also welcome. For more information or to get involved, visit alzheimerwwca slash music project. I understand if there is something. Hello, you're listening to CFRU 93.3 FM here in Guelph. My name is Jenny Mitchell. And today I'm hosting a special fill-in segment. Um, I had a volunteer lined up for this wonderful in-studio performance, but he's off sick. But I gotta say, these are really dear friends of mine playing today in the studio, so the opportunity to interview them is actually quite exciting. What a nice turn of events. We have Dog is Blue performing here live at CFRU today. If you're listening and you have the means of coming down, by all means, come visit us at CFRU on the second floor of the UC. You can see Dog is Blue perform some songs. You can hear them being interviewed with us. Tons of fun. Let's hear that me here in the background. So with that being said, let's cut over to Dog is Blue with their first song. Hit the alarm for the third time this morning Stumble out of bed and fix your hair The coffee's hot, the walk is cold and long You'll be numb by the time you get there And this is the niche you've carved Full of paychecks and pleasant trees But inside each eyelid are Engraved reassuring lines that read When I'm dead and gone It won't matter to me Every gust of wind on the lawn Takes a couple wilted leaves from the tree To see your shadow as you poked your head out this morning. Another decade tacked on while you were busy yawning. And this is the niche you've carved. Is it everything you hoped for? Steady hours and weekends off With some free-range time outdoors When I'm dead and gone I won't need to find the words To defend where I went wrong Or the lessons I never learned Cause it's not about the color of the grass Or the coins inside my pocket But it nags and pulls and stretches thin Till you forget how good you've got it In the evening when you return Full of ideas of escape and grandeur Settle into bed Leaking all that unspent piss and vinegar And this is 
hidden under the covers until the alarm sounds the third time and your obedience has recovered when I'm dead and gone I won't need to be reminded of all the things I said I'd have done what little it took to be divided when I'm dead and gone nothing will stop me those leaves still march along long after they've been pulled from the tree when I'm dead and gone 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 Dog is Blue. They're here live at CFRU this afternoon. Hey guys, do you want to introduce yourselves? Hey, I'm Laura. Hey Jenny, it's Paul. Hi Paul and Laura. (laughs) This is so fun. We're in two different uh, glass booths and it sounds so nice and and I'm really happy that you could make it out today. Um, Do you want to tell listeners where you're performing tonight? I'm going to make you tell them that lots of times throughout the show today, just in the hopes that some folks might make their way down. Awesome, thank you. Uh, sure. Yeah, we're going to be at Cornerstone here in Guelph. Uh, we're playing with Wax Manigan tonight. Woo! Yeah, pretty excited about that. We've been playing with him, uh, playing a few shows with him. Uh, we started in Peterborough last weekend. We're in Hamilton last night, Guelph tonight, and then uh, we're at Handlebar in Toronto on Saturday. So it's been kind of a mini tour with Wax, and it's just been pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, I have so many questions to ask you um, with all the crossover fun of the people you're playing with and the places you're playing. Um, but what brought on this stint of shows? I feel like, um, I, am I right in saying it's been a while since you guys have hit the road? Yeah, I would probably say that um, I actually, I, I switched jobs this year, so I, I now work for a beer company in Toronto, and it's been a it's been a pretty amazing switch for me. Um, I came from a marketing job, and while it was fun and great, and I learned a lot, it also kind of took all of my time. So the my new job has really allowed me some flexibility to kind of come back, and that means Paul and I can really get back out, and we're not doing full tours, but we can do mini tours at least. I just really hate booking shows. Um, (laughs) We did a little stint in September um, where we played with uh, Blimp Rock and some other friends of ours. Uh, We did Peterborough, Toronto, um, Bancroft, and uh, it was awesome. But in that same time, I approached Wax, and uh, he's, you know, uh, a touring machine. So I asked him about playing a show, and he said this time frame would work for him, and it worked really well for venues. So it was kind of the easiest booking experience I've had in a while um, and that's usually the uh, the booking anxiety just keeps me uh, in my house I get that um, it, it's worth waiting for friends though to travel with because I feel like you guys are married you live together um, you know probably something to do with being married and Sorry, so ladies. and I mean both of you have some elements of your job that um, involve you working from home too right yes and you perform in a band together so I imagine yeah 
pairing up with really great friends to share bills with probably adds that excitement of someone else to look forward to spending time with, right? Yeah, it's definitely good to have uh, awesome hangouts between sets or as you, you wait for to see if anyone's going to show up or you do that post sound check kind of downtime. It's good to have cool people to hang out with that you're friends with. Mm-hmm. Well, we've traveled together in the past. Um, you guys are our great travel companions. Um, we, were, we were in the mom mobile. You guys enabled <laughs> my first tour with a baby, which was pretty prolific. It was also our first tour with a baby. It was, <laughs> I think our first tour. That's true. Actually. A lot of firsts on that tour. Wow. Have you since t- toured with a baby? No. no. no All actually, right. You know. Your only tour with a baby. I know. We like to tell people about that story. We're it's like, not we, Otis's fault either. Just no. no other babies have wanted to tour with us. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's always important important to ask the baby's opinion on the matter before <laughs> things transpire. He was maybe the best travel companion we've ever had. He was so easy. Yeah. I used to tell people that traveling with a baby, um, the plus side is that they're very literal about their mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had from personal experience, I can say that sometimes band members can be quite <laughs> passive aggressive. Yeah. You ask if they're hungry or if anything's wrong and they're like, no. Yeah. And you have to read through the lines. Babies just cry about it. It's very, very helpful. And then they stop crying when you fix the problem. It makes you feel really good about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, how long have you guys been playing for? Um, I will ask a more specific question, uh, but um, because I know that you guys have always done this alongside other jobs, um, creative, interesting jobs a lot of the time too. Um, but how do you guys remember how long it's been since you've started like these, these stints of shows? Laura's point at me um it was paul keeps spreadsheets i I do (laughs) i have google docs full of this stuff uh we get into arguments over which song we've played the most or which song we started sets with the most and uh yeah i think it was fall of 2009 was uh the first show um we were last night in hamilton with burning hell and wax mannequin we realized that that exact same bill of three bands played that exact venue in march of 2010 as well wow And by you realize you you had the spreadsheet open and <laughs> I consulted the spreadsheet in the car. <laughs> well, um, one thing that was really I was looking forward to the volunteer interviewing you guys because um, I work here at CFRU as the mobile studio coordinator and I have a strong motivation and passion for getting new voices on the airwaves, but. It's obviously really fun that the turn of events at least resulted in me getting to do it and chat with you. But the the irony is I was I was giving my volunteers some tips on, you know, good questions to ask, like ask them about their first show ever and um, didn't realize until he had asked you about that, that your first show ever was here in Guelph and connected to me, which is really <laughs> hilarious. So that um, I do want to ask you to describe your first show um, now that you're back in Guelph, Guelph gets credit for mm-hmm. um, being one mm-hmm. of the birthplaces of Dog is Blue. Well, I, I think, think all first of all, <laughs> we can all say that the, the the Canadian music industry has about six degrees of separation from Jenny Mitchell. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we can definitely credit you with uh, getting us off our butts and kind of. I remember you said to me, "You want to play music?" We were we were walking or we went into it was a family thrift store. Mm-hmm in Guelph, and we were coming to see Wax Mannequin and Kettle Black, two great bands that we really wanted to see, and we had been traveling with you just filming bands. We filmed Burning Hell, Wax Mannequin, and Fembots, and some great bands, and I was filming for Zunior at the time, and uh, yeah, I walked in the door, and you were, you, were, you were sitting at the door, and you said, Wax can't make it, and I think you just basically dropped the gauntlet where you said, 
you talked about wanting to play. Why don't you play the show? And I said, <laughs> okay, um, sure. And that was kind of that was kind of uh, how it happened. And then we had to borrow, went over to, hung out with Jordy Gordon and re- rehearsed and borrowed his guitar. And then I said to Laura, um, you know, we haven't really, Laura wasn't really a full-time band member at the point. At that point, she was kind of helping me out on some I backup vocals. I just knew vocals some of the songs. So she went around and collected uh, kind of, what'd you do, what you got, you put together? I, I went and found a, a tin, a little tin, and I filled it with screws so I could have a shaker because <laughs> we didn't have instruments. <laughs> yeah, oh. and then, yeah, so I borrowed Nick's uh, Kettle Black's guitar, and uh, Laura had her homemade stuff, and we opened that. We opened the show that night, and then uh, we got paid. We still travel, actually, I brought, I brought my pedal board. Uh, we still travel using the exact same luggage that was payment for that show because we didn't really feel comfortable taking people's money that they came to see Wax Mannequin for. So we still <laughs> use the luggage. We, you're, <laughs> Ray basically said to us, uh, pick whatever you want from the thrift store. So we took luggage. So I did that to you. I, I <laughs> sprung a show on you yeah. day of, yep. and we paid you in luggage. Yep. <laughs> wow. It's uh, <laughs> There's a metaphor in there yeah. somewhere. That's funny. Th- things haven't changed too much. I just paid a band member in t-shirts the other day, so I guess <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> things don't change in, in nine years, eight years. I'm bad at math. Yeah. That hasn't changed either. Well, okay, I'm going to get you guys to play another couple of songs because um, I could just talk with you the whole time, <laughs> and that's fun for me and maybe for listeners, but the music is wonderful. So do you want to want to play some more music? Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Um, the first song we ever played at that show in particular was actually a Wax Mannequin song as well. It was called End of Me, and I'd been filming them on tour and really wanted to learn that song um, but we don't remember that song so I don't, I'm just telling you that for you know background info okay so in case I request it or something <laughs> he'll he'll be playing that tonight at the Cornerstone oh awesome okay but a good, good plug what are you going to play right this now this song's called Flightless Birds it's a new one that we only started playing uh, in September and uh, we usually can get through it okay well let's, let's go for it high bar Another dollar, why are you so numb under the collar that you can't see what little is actually going on? Same old story every day. I don't know why I even try to change the words. Always ends up the same way. Staring at the sky like a flightless bird. Here we go again, it's the annual sense of effervescence I'm gonna fizz and bubble up top this year Another great above the collar, why are you? So sure the chance is smaller for you To succumb to time like everybody else And it's the same old song and dance I don't know why I even try to learn the steps to stay sat on my hands Till it's finally time to just go to bed Why do you bury your head in the sand? I'm not an ostrich, I'm a man Well, you want it like a little pup Just suck it up 
it's another song and dance I don't know why I even try to learn the steps Just to stay sad on my hands Till it's finally time to just go to bed Same old story every day I don't know why I even try to change the words Always ends up the same way Staring at the sky like a flightless bird I guess an older one from our um, last album, full-length album, uh, Tortoise. Uh, This one's called Southern Ontario. It's all about, um, it actually kind of stems from our trips with you, Jenny, going out to the East Coast and falling in love with the East Coast and wanting to leave Toronto because it's expensive. And then we never left Toronto (laughs) because we had jobs. So... (laughs) But this uh, this was the dream. Everybody thinks it's about uh, me breaking up with Laura and leaving her. <laughs> <laughs> like like the, the song was about me going leaving Toronto but doing it alone. Um, people don't know how I could not function. I'm not an adult. You know, she, Laura keeps me alive. <laughs> but yeah, this is called Southern Ontario. But you bleed me dry Treat me well for a day Then spit in my eye I'll never truly leave But I'm going for a while To remember why we're so good together And learn to afford your style Maybe when I'm older If my wallet ever gets full I'll come back to my lady in southern Ontario In the east coast they're so humble and pretty Tempting me to leave To a place where I'll be treated well And live happily If absence makes the heart grow fonder You'll always be on my mind And if it fills my pockets with gold I'll come back to you in time Ontario
Ontario. That was Dog is Blue performing Southern Ontario live here at CFRU. We have an in-studio performance today because this band is playing tonight at the Cornerstone with Wax Mannequin. That's going to be a very magical show. And if you're in the UC and happen to be listening to this, or if you're nearby, you can still swing on down here to CFRU to catch a bit of their performance. They're going to be here till 3 p.m. today. Um, Paul and Laura, Dog is Blue. There's only two of you in that room, um, but there's a lot of different um, gear, instruments and things. Um, I, I just keep hearing more and more sounds coming out as I'm listening to the songs. Um, I imagine this is what people could expect tonight as well, but can you describe for listeners um, what exactly you guys are playing in there? Yeah, um, I would say usually we classify ourselves as garage folk because it's kind of folky, but we play with a lot of electric instruments. So um, ban- or Paul writes all of the songs that we play and does lead vocals. He's on guitar, swapping between electric and acoustic. But he primarily um, builds a lot of guitar pedals and amplifiers and things, which brings out a lot of different sounds for sure. Yeah, like I accidentally had the distortion on the acoustic guitar through that whole last song, and that was intentional, I swear. It sounded good. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it too. <laughs> well, I've got a tambourine on my foot um, that I kind of bang along and it's generously been mic'd, which is wonderful. And then Laura is really the, the multi-instrumentalist of the group. Uh, I'm kind of like the band. She's like the octopus. Yeah. Uh, she's got... Air quotes on radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a live stream apparently today too. Yeah, so, you know, you can, you, people can see us. I should have dressed better. Um, but Laura's got a, she's got a keyboard, what we use for kind of organ and electric piano kind of sounds, but also a kick drum at her foot. It's actually a rack tom that we, um, we put a kick pedal on and a shaker. And there's a delay pedal that we were experimenting with for her on her organ these days. Sometimes she would bring a glockenspiel, but she's also singing as well. So we try to get every one of her limbs going as good as possible. Once Paul tried to have me play with a, what was it, a, a, a sampler? Yeah, I had an Electribe. Such a disaster. She did not like that. <laughs> I, that, was the, that was the line. I found out where the line was that day. Don't. He's like, don't you have make... to tap the beat so that it comes in after I've started the song. And I was like, I'm already playing five instruments. With, like, I have a limit. <laughs> and I remember you saying that it seemed like a giant calculator and it wasn't very musical to you. So, yeah. you know, I, we stopped that. But, but she's getting into synths and sequencers now. So that's like, fingers crossed, next album. Wow. You know, my be. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm curious about, the role of, um, of boundaries or um, experimentation based on 
pushing yourselves versus mm. like uh, having something specific you want to hear and striving to get there. Like, mm. what is your home studio? What does your practice space look like that <laughs> keeps resulting in this expansion of sound? Uh, we're laughing because <laughs> as of this week, it looks like a music store because I actually got slat wall and uh, and uh, arms and and hangers from a music store in Leslieville, Toronto to. Uh, hang synthesizers that I just couldn't part with even though we don't use them very much and guitars are hung all over the wall and um, so we have a lot of instruments a lot of homemade things a lot of projects that are half built a lot of synthesizers these days we just have layers of instruments on our walls it's just but also more more it's half uh, it's half an art space for Laura Laura's a photorealistic uh, portrait artist so we've divided it with a, a, a theater curtain so there's yeah. art and music in the same space but they can kind of meld as they as they need to Ah, so depending on how much you draw the curtain, <laughs> you guys can be <laughs> yeah. Yeah, inspiring it. each other. Yeah. Um, and what comes first, the the gear or the sound aspiration? That's a really good question. Um, and I often do think what would happen if I paired it back to just an acoustic guitar or a piano or something. And I do find um, some some inspiration comes from just random weird noises I can make with some of this stuff, and that takes some of the songs in a different direction. Um, but I do think that at bass, it's probably, you know, we started out pretty folky, acoustic guitar and simple keyboard, and then added things as we had free limbs. Um, so I do think probably at bass, it's uh, more the the song. I go to some open mics in Toronto and, and work on some of the the compositions and try them on unsuspecting people until I feel like they're they're more ready to and Laura says I write all the songs but that's not necessarily accurate it's a bit overly generous because uh, we painstakingly sit in our studio and go over harmonies and arrangements and adjustments to the composition and the sequence of verses and and give her uh, vocals because she sings really well so I think there's a big part of it that doesn't come alive until we actually are in the in the studio just working through and it's really painful for a bit and we get frustrated and she really doesn't like it <laughs> sometimes no, it's not my favorite but part. then we hit that <laughs> moment where it breaks through with harmonies um it's very rewarding when you get it finally yeah i bet yeah, yeah. um i'm curious you mentioned open stage and i'm pretty sure that um i mean i did meet you in the context of zunior and your filming but i think it was my awareness that you frequented open stages mm. that would have fueled my ask of you performing <laughs> that show. Um, it sounds like despite having room at home dedicated to music exploration, there's still a role of the open stage in terms of your musical exploration. And um, can you explain maybe why that particular format is um, important to you in terms of your, your learning curve or your um, introduction of new pieces? Definitely. Uh, first of all, to clarify, it wasn't an ask. It was more of a demand that we play that show. <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> um, I think the open stage is a 